From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. Morning, everybody. Morning, everybody. Good morning. How are we Morning. doing? Happy Thursday. Doing very well. Very, very hot here, lads. Very oh, yeah. hot. Go 32 on. degrees, you said. 32 yeah. degrees. Scorcher. Scorcher, Few scorcher. Minus mm-hmm. one here, mate. Minus one. Can't believe it. Jeez. Opposite ends of the world, hey? And look at us pulling together for the Northeast Becky <laughs> Show once again. Hey? No, 100%. <laughs> Happy Thursday. Dip. No, Ted, he's not going to talk over us today, Steve. He's, uh, he's usually <laughs> the one who talks over us. And nah, well, I can do that. I can, I can do that as well, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's true. That's true. Joined by Steve and Daz, obviously, in the uh, in the studio today. But there is no Ted the Mackham. But, of course, we will, don't you worry, cover everything Sunderland if there is news making it. Uh, today on the Northeast Breaking Show. Happy Thursday, lads. Yeah, Almost at the end of the Thursday. week. Almost time for football. Busy week this week. Flew over this week, lads, for me. So, you did, uh, yeah. Don't know, where the, don't know where the week's gone, but there you go. You've been a busy man this week. Is that all done now, Steve? Are you, uh, are you yes, here for the full? All, full all done, mate. Yes, I am today. I wouldn't, I wouldn't depart when uh, there's only two of us, mate. Don't worry about that. Ah, <laughs> oh, look at that. Look at that. Stevie hanging in there. But. It's going to be a fantastic show. We've got a lot coming up to talk about. There's been a bit of happening overnight. Uh, we're going to talk about, lads, I'm sorry. We're going to talk about it. VAR. VAR. Premier, the Premier League has admitted that there's been 20 wrong VAR decisions this season. We're going to talk what? about that and maybe have a bit of a guess about which ones have admitted were wrong. Uh, we're going to talk about Jim Ratcliffe, lads, and him wanting to turn the new Man United, uh, turn a Man United Stadium into the Wembley of the North. Uh, sounds like something from Game of Thrones, that. But Wembley of the North uh, is Jim Ratcliffe's idea for Man United. So we'll talk about that with the lads. Uh, Brentford Gaffer has admitted that Ivan Tony is probably going to be sold this summer as well. Uh, something that we were all predicting, but wondering where he's going to end up. We'll talk to that because it might be a uh, he might be back to Newcastle. Uh, John Dow Thomason, we spoke about this yesterday with Blackburn. Uh, he sounds like he's going to be getting the sack at Blackburn uh, because it just it's, it's all a mess down there at the Rovers. Will he be in charge for that tie against Newcastle or not? We'll talk to them about. He's also an ex-mag as well. So uh, let's see who could replace him at Blackburn if he does get the sack. Uh, we've also got a cheeky name that tune, don't we, Dazzy Boy? And uh, Yeah, name that theme that our... Uh, name that theme, yeah. is it? There we go. Yeah, I our uh, Teddy Boy has put together. So, yeah, we've got that coming up as well. He has been uh, in touch with us, old Teddy Boy. He's done his headlines as well. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, Man City's latest signing uh, and what's happened there. Man City have signed a player even if it's outside the window. We'll talk about that. Uh, and we're going to talk about Kareem Benzema, who obviously we did cover this a couple of months ago uh, where we heard rumours that Benzema was unhappy uh, at the Saudi Arabian club Al Itihad. Uh, and apparently he was looking for a move in January. That didn't. Uh, progress into anything. Apparently, he's now walked out from a training session, refusing to follow boss's orders, and has been dropped from the squad indefinitely. Uh, so a shameful wow. uh, end to what is an, a fantastic career that Benzema. I used to love watching Benzema back in Real Madrid days. So it'll be interesting to see and talk to the lads about that. We've also got one close to uh, Steve that I want to get the thoughts on. We saw one that's not listed here, and I will give him the backstory. Uh, but Kieran Harriet. 
Uh, and Daz, you might have seen this overnight, but Huddersfield Town striker has been given four-month ban for FA betting rule beach breaches. Huddersfield Town striker Kian Harriet has been suspended for four months and fined three thousand two hundred pounds for uh, for betting rules breaching under the twenty-one-year-old admitted he placed four hundred and eighty-four bets on football matches in the past three years, and he's now been fined. And uh, yeah, banned for only four months. So we'll talk about that, obviously, close to Steve's heart with Tenali there and whether, you know, how they come to be uh, so different. Kieran Keen Harriet, only four months. But we'll talk about that and lots more on the Northeast Brecky Show, all coming up this morning for your next two hours. Grab your coffee, grab your porridge, grab your oats, whatever it may be, because it's time for your club headlines where we go around the three clubs and find out what's making news at one of the Northeast clubs this morning. Smoggies and Proud. Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans, you beautiful humans. I hope you're all fantastic, safe and well this Thursday morning. Our news this morning is that Johnny Housen has no intention of retiring. Woo-hoo! At the end of the season, and Middlesbrough's captain is hoping now to extend his time at the club with a new contract. As Housen is approaching the end of his current deal, which is due to expire this summer, the influential midfielder turns 36 in May, but retirement isn't on his mind. And even if he doesn't get a new deal at Borough, the former Leeds and Norwich man said he would look to play elsewhere. Ideally, he said, I want to be at Borough and where he would love to finish up, but it's not his decision ultimately. I just know I'd love to carry on next season. If there's something there from Borough, then great. I've spoken about a fair few different reasons uh, that I've got that are priorities and motivation for me, and that hasn't changed. I still feel good, and if they want me here, then great. If not, then I have. Well, I guess I have to have a look for a new club, but for the time being, that's not something I have to worry about. We've still got a lot to play for this season, and honestly, that's my only focus. That has been the previous case in past seasons. The rest will take care of itself. Whoa, Johnny, you're not going anywhere. I will get on the phone and give you a new deal myself. And Burrow could already have unearthed his replacement uh, long-term in Finn Cartwright. The 16-year-old under-17s man who hails from Redcar along with Hackney has been the Borough Youth Academy since the age of six, and he has made his first team debut in the Carabao Cup earlier this season. He has been since linked with a surprising move to Chelsea, but those links went cold as Carrot gave Cartwright that recent debut, describing as a special individual that has a bright future, potentially lining up next to Hackney, the former Red Card himself. Could we have an all Red Card midfield bar in the future? Look out for that one. Houston's not going anywhere. Cartwright could be there. That's your Borough headlines. Good morning. Magpies and Proud. Mag News. Adidas have launched a fresh partnership with Newcastle United, snapping up Sven Botman as the latest athlete to join their range of talent. The Dutch centre-back put pen to paper on a deal with a German sportswear giant at the company's German HQ. Botman joins the likes of Lionel Messi, Mohamed Salah and David Beckham, who have all had an association with Adidas. Newcastle United star Harvey Barnes hopes that Anthony Gordon's need for crutches was simply precautionary after he hobbled off in the 4-4 draw against Luton Town. Barnes was looking forward to starting alongside Gordon for Newcastle and Eddie Howe, but his return has coincided with a scouser's ankle injury. It leaves Gordon doubtful for the next couple of games, but Barnes is praying it won't be a long one for the seven-goal forward. And Newcastle United women will once again play a home match at St James's Park when their FA Women's National League Cup semi-final against Portsmouth is staged there later this month. It's a two o'clock kick-off on Sunday, February the 25th, and tickets are on sale now from the Newcastle United box office. £5 for adults and £1 concessions. Don't forget if the scores are level after 90 minutes, there will be 30 minutes of extra time. 
followed by a penalty shootout if an outcome is still to be determined. This will be the fifth time that Newcastle United's Women's Football Club have played at St James's Park and they've got a 100% record to date. That's in Newcastle headlines on Thursday morning. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Here are your headlines today. Sunderland women put in a spirited display but were defeated 5-0 by an imperious Chelsea in the quarter-final of the Continental Tyres League Cup at Kings Meadow last night. The losses now have full focus on the league and next host Lewis at Appleton on February the 18th. Liverpool have been linked with a move for Sunderland youngster Chris Rigg as he continues to attract the attention of clubs in the Premier League. The 16-year-old is highly rated, of course, having progressed through the ranks at the Stadium Alight. The teenager was handed his first senior appearance at the age of 15 by former manager Tony Mowbray and went on to become the club's youngest ever goalscorer at just 16 and 51 days in August last year. The report from the Sunderland Echo also says that Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City are all keen, as well as German giants Bayern Munich. And finally, deadline day arrival Reese Walsh says he only wanted to go to Sunderland after revealing championship rival Stoke were also keen. Walsh, just 17, joined the Black Cats this month from Glen Torrent for an undisclosed fee to boost an already strong Northern Irish influence on Wearside. Walsh is not expected to challenge for the first team anytime soon, but the winger will be fast-tracked into under-21s level and will be interesting to see how this young gem develops over time. There's your headlines this morning. From Wickham to Whitley Bay, Stony Gate to Shields, Doggy to Darlow Back Lane, Steve, Ted, and Rye. The Northeast Footy Breakfast. Right across the Northeast. The Red, the Toon, and the Cat. And Ted, thank you for doing that from the Macca's drive through as he got his morning breakfast, that one. Uh, fantastic headline reading there, mate. Uh, really appreciate it. What type of coffee you reckon he orders there, Daz? I reckon he's a, he's a latte man. Yeah, I think he's Maybe a, a sprinkle of cinnamon. Moment. Yeah, or definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon he is, Stevie. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think vanilla? he's an American. I think he's a good old-fashioned. I think he's an Americano guy, mate. I think Americano. He's like a, yeah, Americano, mate. Or a regular white coffee. He's, just, he's like me. You reckon he puts his pinky up when he drinks it? Like like the fancy, <laughs> like, you know. Big... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> loves not loves like talking about it when he's not here. <laughs> 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 Welcome back to the Northeast Frankie Show. You're joined by Steve, myself, Ryan, and Daz this morning. No Ted the Mackham, uh, but we thank him for putting in these headlines. He also came up with today's topics, which we're going to get into right now. We're going to talk firstly, lads, about VAR. I know, it's yeah. back. I'm no. sorry. Uh, but VAR has come out once again because the Premier League overnight have claimed that nine 96% of referee decisions are correct and that the VAR is in fact helping referees. Can you believe it? Uh, they have admitted that the checks are taking too long uh, and that ideally they are ruining some day match day experiences and they would like to make it uh, quicker. Uh, they also admitted that there's only been 20 wrong VAR decisions this season. I feel like that's a bit of an understatement. And according to the new survey, survey that they conducted around the leagues, I don't know if Steve got this survey, the majority of supporters who have voted that they are in favour of the technology, which has claimed they, uh, <laughs> which is, they claim has led to a 14% increase in correct decisions. Steve, 
you are one man that sees the VAR week in, week out. Us in the championship, obviously, get to uh, get to avoid some of these uh, some of these decisions. Again, we know we love talking about it here on the show. We did our Christmas song about it, but admitting that there's 20 wrong VAR decisions, but the majority of supporters are in favour of it. Were you one of these people? Well, no. I'd love to know who the uh, I'd love to know who they sent the survey to. Um, I mean, just to give people a, back, a bit of background. Two years ago, the Premier League set up this independent key match incident panel, uh, and it assesses all the big decisions which are made by the referees in the Premier League games. The panel's made up of former players, former coaches and referees who report their opinions. So the Premier League and the, the professional match game officials, the PGMOL as they're, they're affectionately known, mm-hmm. can improve standards of the game. And the purpose of the panel is to analyse and take a view on every key decision which is made by the match officials in every single one of the, the 380 games. So the output of the analysis is used to help the referees to give the PGMOL management uh, a view as to where the game is represented by the, the former players. So... You know, really, it, it's it's set up and it's a system really which should be infallible. We, we know it should be infallible. And that's the, what I'm talking about here is VAR. Um, I genuinely don't know how they've come to these conclusions. I really, really don't. Um, the figures that you, you're quoting um, for this season, uh, just, to, just to broaden them a little bit, VAR has intervened correctly on 57 occasions. There's been 20 VAR errors so far, but the Premier League says 20, uh, 17 of these have been a failure of VAR to intervene when the panel felt it should have done. There's been three wrong decisions this season when VAR has intervened. So then they went on to give some examples. One of those errors was a factual mistake when Luis Diaz's goal for Liverpool was disallowed against Tottenham when the VAR failed to properly communicate their decision that Diaz was onside when scored. There's been two subjective errors when VAR intervened and the panel felt it shouldn't have done. Sander <laughs> Berger's goal against Nottingham Forest oh, in yeah, September, was... which would have put Sheffield United 2-1 up, but the, fa- the panel felt that the goal was incorrectly disallowed for handball after a VAR check. And finally, uh, in September, when Arsenal played Manchester United and Anthony Taylor gave a penalty for Aaron Wan-Bissaka's foul on Kai Havertz, only for the penalty decision to be overturned because the VAR felt contact was not sufficient to bring Havertz <laughs> down. So there you go. Um, they seem to feel that it's it, it, everything's working, is, is working well. So there was a question um, to Paul Scholes, former Manchester United uh, star who was talking about this on Sky yesterday. He says, "Does the Premier?" Uh, the, the question he was asked was, "Does the Premier League accept there are issues with VAR?" School said yes. Um, he said there are two major issues that he wants to see addressed with VAR going forward. These two elements, I believe, affect the whole reputation of VAR. The first is the amount of time it is taken to check decisions. I would agree with him wholeheartedly on that. He said, we are doing too many checks. We're taking too long in doing them as well. It's to a degree understandable given the level of scrutiny the guys are under, but the reviews are taking too long and it's affecting the flow of the game and we're extremely aware of that and the need to improve that speed while always maintaining the accuracy. So that's the first admission by the Premier League that there's a problem with that part of VAR. The second area is the what they call in-stadium experience for supporters. Uh, yeah, school says... Hard. 
Scrolls is simply not good enough. It's nowhere near good enough. We know it's not. It affects supporters' enjoyment of the game, and we know, know it needs to change. So, you know, listen, there's a lot to digest there. Um, yeah, not wrong. I, I mean, wrong. the supporters... The supporters who were asked about this, I would love to know who has been asked. Is it the <laughs> F? Is it is it the FSA, the Football Supporters Association? Is it some trusts that have been asked? Um, is it is it Those a man the in Dossier? the street? Is it a man in the street with who's standing there with ten cans of lager? I would suggest probably that. I'd suggest it's probably the latter. Um, but it, it's straight. It's it's a strange, strange statement um, to you know to say that you know they feel that it's working and it's improved the game. And if you go back right to the very start of VAR when it was brought in, um, and this is this is their key headline from um, from the the Premier League's chief football officer, who was also yep. called Schools Tony Schools, and he yep. says that. Um, if you go back in the day, uh, to back to the start of the whole process, eighty-two yeah. percent of decisions—that—that's um, the stat that they were—they they were saying we're getting wrong. Now they say they were getting right. Now we're getting ninety-six percent uh, decisions are correct. I, I would beg to differ on that, right? I really wow. would. Um, I yeah. really would say that. I really say that. You know. Stats, stats are there to be picked apart, and I think we can probably all pick apart the VAR stats. That these, it's almost as if they're trying to, you know, subliminally get us to believe what they're saying. Yeah. Um, when, yeah. when really we can see, you know, we, we can see everything with our eyes at every game, every weekend. You know. Yep. Do you find that um, obviously you've been affected by this when live at St James's Park? Obviously, Middlesbrough fans, Sunderland fans who are listening probably haven't been. But I mean, does it kill? the the atmosphere when there's a VAR check I mean some of these VAR checks tend take 10 15 minutes yeah I mean it's um you know it, it, the, the flow of the game is what Tony schools has mentioned there and yeah. and he's and he's right he's right the flow of the game does get disturbed because you know the waiting time is ludicrous um, you know, yeah. we we've waited in the stadium at times three, four minutes uh, for for a VAR wow. decision on more than on more than five times, five occasions I can remember this season we've done that at St James's Park, and of course, mm-hmm. you know, people people are starting to get frustrated. You've celebrated a goal, then you go, hold on a minute, we're, you know, we're going to have to check VAR. Um, there's there's sometimes a notification on our stadium's screen. We only have one screen at St James's Park. Sometimes there isn't. So you know, then people are scratching their head. Well, is the VAR or isn't the VAR? Um, you know, it happened at the weekend when we when we gave a penalty away against Luton. We we, we yeah. didn't know what was going on. My yep. my view my view of of what had happened was that it was outside the box. Um, I, I I wouldn't have even called for a penalty. Luton fans, uh, yeah. you know, weren't shouting in in unison for a penalty. But you know, then the next thing you know. There's a you know we're getting told it's a VAR check because some people have radios on in the ground and they're saying it's VAR. Yeah, yeah. Today it's got a VAR. So there's no notification until about a minute before the decision was made from the the stadium announcer. But yeah, of course it kills wow. the atmosphere. It spoils the spontaneity of the game. And you know we we you know we essentially you know have no idea what's going on at times. And and again it's. You know, you you can imagine from a player's point of view, he scored a wonderful goal. He's you know he's rounded three players. He slotted the ball in the top corner of the net. He runs off to celebrate, and then boom, you know, hold on as a VAR yeah. check. So from that point yeah. of view, you know, it spoils it for them as well. And it's not the same when you know two, three, four minutes later, the goal is then awarded. You know that you've lost the spontaneity of the celebration. So 
there's there's you know there's there's knock on effects with all of this. It's um it's not the same as it's not the same as it was. It needs it needs looking at. It needs it needs reviewing. And um you know you, you can quote all the stats you want, Mister Schools, but you know your your stats your stats don't mean anything yeah. to to the football supporter. It's, it's ruined the game. Um, and it's it's you know it's something that should have enhanced the game, but it's clearly it's clearly not, and it needs to be it needs to be massively looked at because you know it, it's only going to get worse. Well, it's interesting. He did say it is nowhere near good enough, and we know it's not. I mean, that was one of the line from Tony Scholes. As I mean, there has been talk that we could see the VAR end up in the championship. It is about obviously getting some of the the lesser. Uh, grounds, obviously, getting the the technology installed there and all that sort of stuff. But it is a, it is a uh, front that could be facing us in the next few seasons in the championship. Would you be willing to have VAR in the championship, or are you are you you know we've seen a few uh, human errors this season yeah. that go against us. Yeah, we have, uh, and it's been really difficult, hasn't it? Because um, we've looked at them and we've went, oh, we need VAR in the championship. And, yeah. and, and how many times have we said it? You know, be careful what you wish for. I d- yep. No, I, I think they've got to get it right first. They clearly haven't got it right. They haven't got the systems of, of getting it right. Um, one of the things that, that that I noticed, I can't remember which game I was watching the other night. Um, uh, it was on TV, and uh, there was a bit of a scuffle for for the ball uh, down near the uh, uh, down near the byline, and uh, the ball went out, and the both players, the attacker and the defender, were arguing about who it came off. Uh, yeah. The ref gave a corner, I think. Um, they then went on to score. Um, um, oh no! Yeah, the ref gave a corner. That's right. And then something. Yeah, they, they went on to score. Something happened, but they couldn't go back and look at it on VAR. Um, because that phase had gone or, or something along those lines now correct me if I'm wrong but the whole thing is about um, VAR was designed or the idea was that it was there to, to combat mistakes that if there was a mistake yep. that happened on the pitch that they, they would VAR would put it right but for things like when the ball goes out over a corner VAR is not looked at because yeah. the idea is is that it's not an error by the, the referee. It's not yeah, a clear exactly. and obvious yeah. error. Yeah. Well, hang on. If we've yep. got the technology to spot if the ball, yep. you know, who the last player was, who the ball came off, that yep. determines what happens for a corner, that then determines what 100%. happens for a goal, then shouldn't we be using it? So I, yeah. I, I just think the whole thing is just not right and we've talked about this so many yep. times haven't we, uh, we have, and again we? Steve you've got this every week in the Premier yeah. League and, <laughs> and and what we see on match of the day every week is that analysis of you know of them of, of them picking apart all the VAR decisions they always focus on it don't they yeah and yeah. maybe what they should have done is compiled all those chats that Lineker and all the others have and sent them to the FA and said look there's your panel Right. All right. It's okay. But these these are professionals who are dealing mm-hmm. with the game, who know how the game works. Well, I mean, some would argue, uh, maybe they don't. Uh, <laughs> um, but theoretically, they they've they've played the game. They know how it works, uh, and they're analysing your VR and saying that you know how many a week are wrong, that VR yeah. got wrong. Yeah. You well, know, isn't it? It is. So, uh, to go back to your original question, I know it came around it a little bit. No, it's I would fine. only want no, it in the championship if, if if it was overhauled, if it was, yeah. you know, if if they got their systems right. And, and yep. surely, 
surely we've got VAR systems around the world now, right? In every league, surely, every yeah. major league in every country. Why? Why isn't someone learning from what's going on in terms of all the best practice? I mean, maybe they are. Yeah. You know, but what is you know, and whether it's this is FIFA's job, you know, well, purely, surely it is FIFA's job, you know, because they're the ones mm. who've got the the whole world overview. Uh, yeah. To go right, hang on. Let's just have a look at what's working best. Where's VAR working best? Right. What can we learn from that? Where's it absolute garbage? Right. What can we learn from that? And you know, not necessarily put in a, a worldwide. This is how it should be done. Well, maybe maybe we should. Maybe that's what should happen. There should be a worldwide. This is how VAR works. This is the process. Yeah. This is what is a, they're allowed to look for. Um, in those, um, you know, checks or, or what have you. This is how, how long it should be, right? And then we wouldn't have all stuff going on indifferently. Uh, the, the need to get it right before we get it in the championship for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, I completely said, agree. They've certainly, I mean, Tony Scores went on to say yesterday that he, you know, he personally feels we'll get to a point where both video and audio are played live and then played again afterwards to explain the decision. So mm. I guess I guess from, you know, a spectator's point of view with with regards to actually, you know, watching what's going on, it, at least that would be a, a little bit clearer for people. That's part of the frustration, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. He says that they're constrained by, you know, the IFAB um, because they're very clear on the rules as to what, you know, what, you know, the Premier League can and can't say and, and you know, and, and yeah. You know, during the VAR process and post VAR process, um, and he said we can't play the audio. So obviously, in recent months, we've 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 heard audio released after games. Yeah. Um, you know, subsequent. Yeah. You know, a long time afterwards, and uh, you know, he doesn't know how far away we are from that decision. But uh, because it's not in our hands, but he said, you know, we'll continue to lobby them to get to a place where VAR is as open and transparent and informative to supporters and all stakeholders as it's possible to do so. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of work to do. And I suppose Tony Schwartz coming out and saying this is where we're at, I suppose, is helpful. Um, You know, not going to criticise him for coming out and saying that this is where we're at and this is what we need to do. Um, and I think as well, it, I think it's just educating the officials a bit more. You know, I think that's that's the key. Yeah. Um, and having, if it is going to be rolled out to the the championship, then you know, having specialist VR, I don't know, officials to go out and speak to those referees in the championship would probably be worthwhile. And mm. um, sending them further down the football pyramid, um, and you know, p- possibly identifying referees who've got the best attributes to to be able to take you know take VAR games because not everyone's going to be as good at, at running a game no. with VAR as as you know no. as the next man you know what i mean and yeah, exactly. uh, potentially selecting those who are weaker and training them to the the the, re- the expected standard is helpful because you know it it's it's a it's a brand new thing for 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 referees to to cope with in the last 2 years and i think we've said yeah. a few times on here that with cup games that don't have VAR, you know, my concerns often being that, well, you know, hold on, um, this guy's been refereeing in the Premier League for two years. He's now got an FA Cup game with where where there's no VAR. His mindset now, he's going to be exactly. conditioned to rely on exactly. VAR. 
how on earth exactly. can you referee a game without VAR? So it's you know it's, exactly there's that there's that as well, isn't it? You know there's that there's yeah. that problem yeah. as well. Um, he was also asked the interesting thing I found from this was you know he was asked the question. Tony Scores was asked the question: When will the Premier League introduce semi-automated uh, automated offsides? Yeah, semi-automatic that, weapons. Semi, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> Offside, that's you get what, shot. Because of course, you wafer and FIFA have brought that in now. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But, you know, thankfully, thankfully, school said that there's no plans to introduce it. Um, uh, you know, the, at this moment. But then you followed that up by saying that it could be next season. So you know, we, we can't. <laughs> okay. We can't get the we can't get the offside rule sorted yet. So. Why on earth are we thinking about bringing something else in? You know, yeah. it, it's it's wow. crazy. That that's 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 really is um, that for me that is stupid. Um, yeah. You've got to iron out the other problems first, and if they can't um, if they can't iron out, you know that you know the, the simple things, then then you know don't start introducing something yeah. else into the case as well. You know, get 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 the first issue sorted before you start introducing things, guys. Yeah. That's a very good point. No, I completely agree. And that, and the, the biggest point for us, obviously, is in the championship is that when you have a the referee that comes down from the Premier League into the championship and has no VAR and they're maybe somewhat used to it, then it's back on them. They're relying that, on you it, know, yeah. it's, They're relying on it. And then, you know, and then they're getting caught out. But it's, uh, it's still a long way to go for us here. Anyway, it's time for your sports headlines. We'll be right back after this. We will be talking a lot more. And having some Name That Themes. Oh, excellent. Uh, we'll do all that. And you can also get in touch with the show on the WhatsApp, um, or double three or or four three two thousand and two. Uh, Barry's been in touch with the show, and we'll hear from him right after this. The two, the cat, the red sport. Chelsea through to the fifth round of the FA Cup after they beat Aston Villa 3-1. The game at the City Ground went to penalties. Nottingham Forest beating Bristol City 5-3 after it finished one all after 120 minutes. Brentford have condemned the vile harassment of Ivan Tony after the England striker was the target of online racist abuse. The Premier League club have also labelled the response of social media companies to such incidents as underwhelming. Bournemouth's home Premier League game against Luton, which was abandoned back in December after Tom Lockyer suffered a cardiac arrest, has been rescheduled the 13th of March. The Luton captain spent five days in hospital after his collapse on the pitch at the Vitality Stadium. It's understood the Football Association intends to vote against a rule change which will allow UEFA President Alexander Seferin to serve a further term in 2027. And one Gatland's made seven changes for Wales' Six Nations appointment with England after a first-half display against Scotland that he admitted was nowhere near the standards we expect. Together across the northeast. The Cat and the Red. Welcome back. It's the Northeast Footy Breakfast at 7.33 across the Northeast on the Cat, the Toon and the Red. And you can get in touch with the show at any time, or double three or or four three two thousand and two. That's our WhatsApp number. Uh, you can drop us a WhatsApp. It's our what does? It's our <laughs> <Is> it what <laughs> <laughs> it's our I can't do it. I can't do it. Can't I, do it. I just can't, can't do, do it. it. <laughs> Go on, Steve. You know I'm you want to do it. I'm proud of you. There we go. Yes. It's our it's our that number. Uh, this is from uh, <laughs> Barry. Has been in touch with the show. Good morning, Barry. Uh, thanks for being in touch. Morning, Barry. Uh, hello, guys. We should have a completely non-biased people on these systems. It works in other countries. Uh, we should employ the best. Know, but Dave's got to have a deal. <laughs> 
Oh, you'd have it sorted. Um, uh, we should imbi- employ the best officials from around the world, uh, not some of these people we have in the Premier League protecting each other. Um, yeah, it uses an interesting word in there that, as well. That um, um, I'm just protecting himself on the radio. Uh, but the other thing that he does say is it's an amazing show, gents. So that's really kind of it. Oh, really. Thank you, Barry. Um, Thanks, Barry. Yeah, and 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 it, you know he's right, isn't he? We we need the best people to do mm. this job. And uh, you know my my concern is if I'm not going to start again, but if it does come down to mm. the championship, is there enough of these best people around? No. Um, yeah, there's, it's a it's a it's a big ass. That's for sure. What, no, did you, what did you call me there? You, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a big one. <laughs> oh, oh, ask. It's a big ask. Oh, ask. ask. Right, okay. Ask. <laughs> I, get, I get that call that so often. It's just, you know. Um, all right, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Let's uh, Jim Ratcliffe now. Obviously, the Man United takeover uh, is going in full flow, and he has come out and... He wants to make the Wembley of the North, he says. Uh, obviously, Game of Thrones he's been watching too much of. Uh, he wants to build the wall. He wants to march on. Uh, he, he, he said that he's uh, in, looking into the possibility. Winter is coming. Uh, he's looking into the possibility of building a brand new stadium for Man United, and it's dubbed the, to be the Wembley of the North. Um well, Steve, for me, it's a surprise. I think, I mean, Old Trafford is obviously, we've heard, uh, we've spoken about on this very show of, of concrete uh, falling off onto supporters at Old Trafford. We've heard that the uh, stadium is decrepit in some areas. Uh, we've heard of bars being bent uh, under, you know, after, you know, years of of, uh, of torture, I guess you could say. Um, it, it's interesting for me that he wants to, the first thing he wants to do is build a new stadium. I feel like there's a lot more he could be doing before we get to that stage. Would you agree? Well, I mean, what I found strange about all of this was, you know, we we, we talk briefly, we, we do we do do our research on on the show, but you know, I, I was of the imp- I was of the impression that Jim Ratcliffe was actually already part of Manchester United, but when I read mm. into this, when um, you know, when Ted sent the headlines over, yeah, Ineos haven't actually acquired the twenty five percent stake yet. Um, you know, they they moved a step closer. Um, there was a, a an extraordinary general meeting on Monday, and they moved a step closer to having twenty five percent stake. But this seems to be taking an incredibly long time. So, all of this talk about new stadiums and you know investment etc. is really a bit superficial until. You know they're actually sitting around the table. I mean, just because they've been sitting at the game, it's given that impression that you know that you know they're in now. And yeah, it probably will. It's probably a case of a tick and box exercise. But at this moment in time, um, they they still really aren't part and parcel of the football club. So obviously, there's still a bit of work to do getting them in there. But a Wembley of the North. I mean, in Manchester. Really? Um, <laughs> have you been to Manchester? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't think of a worse place. I, I, it's it's hardly a party capital. Um, you know, I, I, apart from Coronation Street, I'm struggling to think of what uh, what else you know has come out of Manchester. Uh, you know that I, that I would say that I was excited about music. Yes, but mm. there's not really a great. Um, there's not really a great vibe in Manchester. I've got to be perfectly honest. For, so for me personally, um, you know, I don't think it's. I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's a goer. I understand. Um, I understand why you know Jim Rat- Jim Ratcliffe's going to say that because of course he wants yeah. to win. He wants to win favour with the supporters. Um, yeah. I've often said that you know. Th- 
if we're going to go down the international route, that England should tour. I mean, we we just confirmed yes. that England are going to come to St James's Park in June to play their friendly against um, Bosnia, and and yep. you know that's 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 great. That's the first visit to St James's Park since two thousand and five. Um, oh, wow. Why? Why just have a Wembley of the North? Why not have, you know, the the, the clubs that can afford it and the clubs that can build stadiums? Uh, you know, have have one one in Manchester, I guess, one in Newcastle, one in London, one in Birmingham. Uh, all the major cities are capable of, of of having those, you know, having those big stadiums. So. Mm. Yeah, Wembley of the Wembley of the North. Um, you know, one thing's for certain. You know, if he's going to do that, you can bet your bottom dollar. That the Saudis at Newcastle will already be thinking of that, and I've mentioned on here that I feel that the way that ticketing has been pushed at Newcastle, the way that you know they are looking at things, is all pointing to the fact that Newcastle's owners will eventually say we're going to have to move, yeah. and mm. we, Newcastle will have a new ground. So if if Jim, if Sir Jim Ratcliffe thinks that he's going to have it all his own way and he's going to have this Wembley of the North and Manchester, I think a, he's going to have competition, but b uh, you know, I just, I just don't think it's something that's going to be feasible at the moment, and and I really think that they're going to struggle with the, you know, I, I think they're going to struggle with this takeover. Jim Ratcliffe's going to come in, but twenty five percent isn't a majority shareholder, and you know he's going to find that he's going to have some obstacles put in his put in his way yeah. uh, by the by the Glazers, and and I still yeah. say that's the biggest problem that Manchester United have got as a football club. The Glazers are still there, and I think they've been very cute. I think they've been very smart in what they've done. I think they've um, they've hooked a big one, and uh, you know I don't think they've got any 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 thoughts on leaving anytime soon. And no. I think it's going to hurt the club more than it's going to help the club. But we'll wait and see. I could be completely wrong. I've been wrong before, and if I am, I'll hold my hands up. But I just think that I just don't think that this potential investment by Ratcliffe is 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 going to lead to the promised land that Manchester United fans believe it's going to lead to. Mm. I think I think it's a bit of PR from Radcliffe's point of view. I think it's him. Yeah. Sort of you know, trying to appease the fans, saying, "Look, look, look how great we are! We're, we're going to have the Wembley of the North here." Um, yeah, I, I think it's all it's all part and parcel of a, a big bit of propaganda uh, from his uh, PR team. Uh, Work well for Jon Snow. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, one of the things about the whole national stadium, and, and this has been talked about for years, hasn't it? About getting a, a northern national. Um, Stadium, and mm-hmm. there was all that talk about it then being in Birmingham, and it's like, what, what now? You know, Birmingham. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, Manchester. You know, no. Uh, I, but surely, as as a country, we are the whole thing about the the, the it was having another national stadium or or, uh, or or another Wembley or you know that's away from London is is the transport links, and you know, Manchester's an absolute pain to get to you know that's why they were building hs2 um you know i mean it's 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 quicker for us in the northeast to get to london than it is to get to manchester um Mm -hmm. you know uh, we just haven't got the national infrastructure for another um you know Mm -hmm. national stadium and 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 why why bother and and you know I, i think it would be brilliant uh, if Newcastle get a new stadium that that is, you know, is up there with the Etihad's and you know the um, uh, the the Arsenal's ground and um, you know and Tottenham's ground that that is this new revolutionary stadium, 
you know, I'm all for you know, development and things like that. But you know, this whole thing about a, a northern Wembley or a, you know a, a, another Wembley—it's just—it's just silly. It's just nonsense talk. Um, mm. Yeah, there are some pictures here of an artist's impressions of how the new stadium might look. Uh, for me, it's it's. It's it's kind of like iconic the Old Trafford Stadium. I mean, it opened in 1910, uh, 114 years ago. Uh, I know there's Lego sets of it. I know uh, people in Australia. Obviously, of when I often walk around in my Middlesbrough gear, I always get quoted, "Oh yeah, up the Man United," and I give them a death stare. But because uh, Australians just don't understand. But for me, the the, the Old Trafford is Old Trafford is iconic. I mean, I, I don't see why you would just put the money into rebuilding or fixing it up rather than just, you know, getting rid of it. Because ideally, I mean, yeah, I don't know what happens to Old Trafford. Do they demolish it? Do you know what I mean? It's 114 years old. And I feel like it's more of a historic sort of stadium rather than something you just, you know, get rid of and, and go into this fancy new one. Now, I can understand if Man United want to, you know, grow, uh, then, you know, getting more seats in, in a stadium obviously can make sense. But I, I wouldn't understand why you wouldn't just put the money into uh, Old Trafford just to to you know renovate it right and the historic history that it's got there rather than just going right we're up and moving next door sort of thing and and it's a good point that Steve makes as well is that Ratcliffe is coming in with all these big you know brilliant ideas you know and and it's, he's coming out like he's the brand new owner like he's the sole owner but we 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 no one's quick to forget that it's still Glazers Club you know it's only twenty five percent. I mean that is not a majority stakeholder. Do you mean? Do you mean so that's not that's not someone that can come in and go right. We're building a new stadium here without some, you know, a, agreement across the board table sort of thing. So, you know, he, he might have all these big grand ideas, but unfortunately, you know, it's not something that he alone uh, can just go and get done. So, I, I, you know, I agree for Man United fans. You know, they're a massive club, uh, and to see you know fans regularly getting soaked uh, due to the leaking roof, uh, you know, seeing rusted pipes and all that sort of stuff for a club well, of Man song, United size. Well, Trafford's falling yeah. down, you know. I mean, you know, it so is, away, yeah. fans, away fans sing it to them. I mean, they've got they've got ownership of land next to Old Trafford. I've saw the the development plans you're talking about. I think yeah. about forty three yeah. acres which they could develop on. They own the hundred yeah. acres of land around Old Trafford. So, you know, and this twenty five acres of that is unused. But they've, you know, they've got to have a plan. They've got to have a, an idea of of what they're going to do. Um, and. I, you know, we went through we went through this with Newcastle at the start of the millennium. You know, Sir John Hall wanted to build a new sta a stadium, take it to the you know the east of of the St James's Park, plunk it onto Leeser's Park. But then the what we call in this country NIMBYs came out. The not in my backyard group who basically mm. campaigned against Newcastle building it on the park, despite the fact that there was plans to you know basically build Leeser's Park on St James's Park where it is now. Um, that yep. that fell short. So you know, Sir John Hall was he was quite clever. You know, I've interviewed Sir John about it in the past, where deliberately they said that they would move the, 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 the they would potentially move the club to Gateshead, which of course is on the wrong side of the town for for Newcastle fans. And you know, we could we could build a Gateshead stadium, and he, you know, there was there was you know people not at me about that at all. But we are gonna we are gonna hit a. a I think we're going to hit a proverbial brick wall with 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 our development. If Newcastle is going to progress, mm. I think you know, you know, I think sixty five thousand potentially is is still enough. I think seventy thousand would maybe be slightly too much. I think we'd have empty seats, okay. but I think sixty five thousand would be would be about right for Newcastle. Um, I think 
with a little bit of a little bit of um, architectural genius, you'd, you'd probably be able to do that at St James's Park in the, with the current stand uh, that we have. You know, you could certainly there is room to extend on the Gallagher. I think you would get an extra seven thousand five hundred on there. Um, but then it would look like Leeds United's ground. It would look really topsy turvy with the East Stand standing out like a sore thumb. So it's the development behind there that you know you, you look at, and I mean there's. It was always the, the the issue with the listed buildings behind which were owned by the university. They're now owned by a yeah. Saudi businessman, and, and 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 essentially, you would imagine that that isn't going to be a hard deal to strike with a Saudi businessman to give you know that that building to Newcastle. Then it's the cost of I guess building on top of. Um, you know, building on top of the existing east stand and incorporating the listed, the front of the listed building into the into the architecture of the new stand. So there's, mm. you know, there, there's room there for for building on St James's Park. They're busy doing a feasibility study, and I'm not sure how long a feasibility study takes, but you know that that in itself will will come back with the answers, and Newcastle will, yeah. I'm sure, in time re- release what they're you know what they're doing. But getting back to Manchester United, I mean. You know, you mentioned before we've seen videos of you know the, the the internal part of the stadium recently with you know bits of concrete collapsing from yeah. the roof. I mean, that's dangerous for supporters. Yeah, um, yeah not wrong. Whether whether the home fans or away fans, and um, you know that you know they need to get that sorted out. I know from my time at Manchester United when I've been there that you know that that you know we stand as away fans generally, but when you try to sit in their seats, that that, that you know it's very tight. It's not a comfortable stadium mm. to go and sit in um, but as I say as away fans we tend to stand anyway but the leg the leg room is something which 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 I would say is a bit of an issue um, I saw was it Gary Neville talking about it on Sky saying that he felt that the, the stadium needs improving um, it's something that he's called for for many many years he feels that yep. you know the roof's too low um, and he just yeah. feels that it's dated now the stadium, um, and he he said he'd rather have two hundred million pounds spent on the old stadium, um, and have you know a couple of a couple of stands massively improved rather than you know buying a new you know rather than building a new one. Um, but the Glazers here, yeah, the, the interesting stat was the Glazers have been there nineteen years, and the last time that the club had any work done on it, uh, the ground had any work done on it was. May two thousand and six, when oh eight thousand seats were when eight thousand seats were added to the northwest and northeast quadrants of the stadium, wow. so the work, and that work was in, was approved before the Glazer family took control in two thousand and five. So they have not made one bit of effort to improve that ground in nineteen years, and that is incredible. Jeez. That's that incredible. is yeah. That but I think that just tells you what the Glazers are all about. Yep. And we've said it yeah. many, many yeah. times. They, they are yeah, there yep. to take money out. They are not there to put money in. Yep. No, that's a very good point. That's incredible, that. Uh, but, yeah, it, it'll be one that we watch, obviously, closely unfold probably over the next few months, if not years, of the Jim Ratcliffe uh, era at Man United. And, uh, yeah, whether they'll be in line for a new stadium, what that it means, you know. Wembley of the North, does that affect us in the Northeast, you know, football? Will the Riverside then become the, you know, the the eighty thousand seater uh, with a well, couple of upgrades, right. you know what I mean? The Telegraph reckons that to to develop uh, Manchester United's ground at the moment and improve it would cost eight hundred million. What? A new ground, wow. a, a new ground would cost them one point five to two billion. I mean, so when you I mean, judge that against Spurs, Spurs, <laughs> Spurs new stadium um, cost yeah. one point two billion to build. Wow. 
Um, but the difference there is, I guess, that you know, they they, they sold they sold Harry Kane. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. To, to, I guess to help that process, um, you know, and obviously they've been regularly in you know in European competition. So you've yeah. got to be successful on the pitch to make these things work off the pitch. You know, the other um, thing, Steve, one point yep. two billion—that's London prices. I mean, Manchester, they should be able to get it cheaper up there, shouldn't they? Uh, you know, <laughs> using well, some yeah, of the local labour. Yeah. <laughs> but when you think about it now, now I've given you those figures. You know, one point five to two billion to build a new stadium. And Jim Ratcliffe's putting 239 million in to help boost the club's infrastructure. Wow. Um, it doesn't scratch the sides, lads. No, it doesn't. No. It doesn't scratch no, the sides. Doesn't even get that. Yeah, and and, and yeah, if you go wild. back to what Sheikh Jazim, although I always said that Sheikh Jazim was a was a was a red heron and that he was, you know, I wouldn't call him a tire kicker. I would just say that I always felt that the, the takeover talk from Sheikh Jazim, I, I was never convinced by that. I was never convinced that it was a genuine takeover attempt yeah. to get those kind of things. Um, but he yeah. he was willing to put in one point two seven billion. Uh, for the same work, wow. as opposed to two hundred and thirty-nine million that Jim Ratcliffe's gonna is gonna invest. So there's a huge gap there. But one point two seven billion from uh, from Sheikh Jazim, well, that would have more or less covered the you know covered the full you know the full works if you like you know. Yeah, the problem is we're wild, building. That. Problem is we're building things now. Um, football grounds, schools, built, uh, you know whatever warehouses. The problem with it now is that since Brexit. You can't get a quote. You've got to get planning permission. You've got to get. You've got to get everything. You've got to get all the boxes ticked first of all in this country. But then, nothing is staying the same at the moment. Import and export. Uh, the prices. The price of bringing stuff in now is ludicrous. And you try and get. If you try and get something built in this country, it's it's nigh on impossible. Um, because you know you're always hitting a brick wall. The council takes time. Solicitors take time. Architects take time. But then on top of that, you've got you've got th- you know the, the cost of things increases, and it's it's such such a difficult thing. I know from from experience from from this from a couple of the the organisations I work with how difficult it is. Um, you know, I know mm. one project which I won't mention, but I know one project. and It's not football related, which is taken so far three years, and there hasn't been a wow. spade put there hasn't been a spade put in the ground yet. And I just think, Jeez. wow. This is absolutely crazy. So I know from first-hand experience for something a lot smaller than, you know, than, than a football ground, how difficult it is. And I'm afraid, you know, all the money that you have in the world and, and you know, it, it, it won't change. It won't change bureaucracy in this country since Brexit. Yeah. And that's where we're at, unfortunately. And nothing is mm. nothing is cheap anymore. Nothing is cheap. Everything is, everything is double the price. And if you don't have the correct ticks in the box moving forward over the, over the course of a period, of time then things that you thought you had sorted with the council with the you know with the the solicitors or whatever then you're back to square one if if, if things don't if things don't run in place so it doesn't matter who you are you can be a premiership club you can be a corner shop um you know you've still got to abide by the rules in this country and it's it's an absolute nightmare like in manchester united uh, when will they have a new stadium i don't know look what's happening with everton um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Know, Everton, Everton, yeah, exactly. Everton, Everton, Everton could end up with a half-built stadium here and not not be able to finish it. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good. It's a very good point. And uh, yeah, we'll obviously watch that uh, with 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 you know with keen interest. So, 
Will there be a Wembley of the North? Will that happen in the future? Yeah, time will tell. Lads, we've got some uh, news that's come out this morning as well. Uh, Jesse Lingard, uh, ex-Man United, speaking of Man United, and England midfielder has signed. Uh, he's back in football. Obviously, Jesse Lingard has been without a club uh, since being let go once his contract expired at Nottingham Forest at the end of last season. Only 31 years old, was waiting for the right move, and it sounds like he's found one in FC Seoul. Uh, going to South Korean side FC Seoul. He's been obviously uh, out of out of out of game time. It's he said he received many fit. offers. <laughs> he said he received many offers, but it decided he wanted a new football experience in a new country. He said well, on his YouTube <laughs> on his YouTube video uh, that he wanted a different challenge and to create new memories in his career. He believes South Korea is the perfect place for that. He does still hopes. Uh, of football uh, for England. He said, I'll focus on my football. My personal business is nothing to do with football. The most important thing for me now is football and playing as best as I can. He said, FC Seoul showed great passion, sending me a concrete offer on paper uh, while other clubs have, were contacting me verbally. So he was, uh, we loved uh, FC Seoul's uh, attempt to come and chase him. Uh, Daz, yeah. uh, Jesse Lingard, <laughs> FC Seoul, 31 years old. Do you think uh, you think this is the the right move for Jesse? I mean, I think you know, I think it's it's more the money talks. If he was to receive a, a lot of offers, but I don't see him finding himself into the England outfit for Euros uh, after a move to FC Seoul. No, no, I, I think I think he's he's been a bit of a um, a wasted talent. There was obviously some talent there with the lad. Um, you know, he's he's not found a home. Uh, or he's not, you know, he's not. Been, he had a settled run, and you've got to ask why. Um, you also got to ask why maybe um, a Saudi team hasn't picked him up. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think that's quite telling. Uh, no, I, I think it's disappointing. You know, and 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 we, it is. I think it's. I do find this disappointing when you you see players come through and you th with 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 potential. Uh, you know, and you see flashes of brilliance from them. Yeah. Uh, and then you see flashes of of, of ordinariness from them as well. Uh, I, yeah, him going after to Korea, did you say? South yeah, Korea. Yeah, South Korea. Yeah, to, FC Seoul. To finish yeah. off his career, I think it's it's a yeah. sad thing. I think I do. Steve, um, disappointed. Can he can he find his way back into England? Do you think? Obviously, uh, obviously, does there highlighting the fact that he thinks it's disappointing a move. Uh, obviously, South Korean football isn't highlighted as much. Uh, it's very hard to find a stream for those based in England. Uh, obviously, at different times of the night and day as well. Obviously, Gareth Southgate preferring to go watch Henderson as well. I don't find him uh, f see him flying out to South Korea. Um, is it is it a move to to secure his future financially? Is it a move that he is basing on football? I think he should have gone to North Korea. Um, I think he would have had a much better experience out there. Um, I think him and I think Kim Jong would have welcomed him with open arms. I think he could have had a great time out there. Um, joking, joking aside, um, what a what a ludicrous move this is. I, I mean, you know, honestly, I, I, have you seen a clip with a photograph of, of him standing yes. there? He's, yeah. he's, he looks yeah. like he's he looks like he's um, he's looks like he's jumpers about five sizes too big for him. He looks like he's, he looks like he's wearing giant haystacks shirt I mean it's, uh, I'm not being funny and, it, and, and the smile he's putting on um, well it, yeah, it's, it's, it's that's a bit a, rough it looks, it looks like he's got trapped wind I, I'm, I'm genuinely 
I'm generally completely bemused by this, like, but I'd love to know what the many offers were that he had. Um, you know, it's just a, it's just a, it's a sad, it's a sad state of affairs for Jesse Lingard. Like, um, he's not gonna, he's not gonna blow any, uh, you know, blow any houses down over there, is he? Really, he's not really. No. Um, it just, it seems desperate. It really does seem desperate for him to, you know, to go with him there. And I mean, you know, somebody who, you know, somebody who had a decent career. Let's yeah. face it, you know, going through the ranks at Manchester yeah, United, and you know, um, you know, FA yeah. Cup, FA Cup winner, League Cup winner, Europa League winner. Um, but sometimes, sometimes footballers don't know when to quit. Um, and I guess the move to Forest didn't work out for him. Um, you know, it it is what it is. Um, it just sounds as if it's the only offer that he got. Um, you know, the, I, I, I'm reading his quote here, and I've just I've just brought it up on the internet. He's put um, FC Soul showed me great passion, sending me a concrete <laughs> offer on paper, while other clubs were contacting me verbally. I mean, that in mm. itself. I mean, it just I don't know. Why didn't I send an email? Why paper? <laughs> It's bizarre, lads. Yeah, and it, the whole thing's is, bizarre. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, he's gone. He's he's going to uh, reportedly earn seventeen and a half thousand a week. Uh, and, pounds. Yeah, and he was on one hundred and eighty grand a week at Forest. Oof, wow. I mean, jeez. <laughs> I, I, I well, just, we wish yeah. you all the best, Jesse. Yeah, all the, <laughs> yeah. all all the, the best. best, and uh, good luck, obviously, in South Korea for playing for FC Seoul. Uh, I doubt we will uh, be able to see any of the games, but I'm sure uh, we'll hear about it, obviously, oh, in the future. Gareth but, yeah, Jesse Lingard, warning. he will. He yeah. will. If he flew out for Henderson, so you, you bet your bottom dollar he'll fly out for, for Lingard, you'd have to see. But uh, you know what I do like about Jesse Lingard? I do, don't mind that celebration, that JL that he does, you know, that, you know when he runs oh, to the yeah. camera and does that. I didn't mind that. Didn't mind that. But, uh, yeah, interesting to see that he's chosen to go to South Korea, which uh, you would think if he had... Uh, still the ambitions for England and anything like that, that it would have been a, a different move. But uh, yeah, we're coming up on 8 a.m. here on the Northeast Brekkie Show. It's almost time for your news headlines. We will come back uh, again with your repeat of your club headlines. We've still got a lot more to talk about, including Kian Harriet, who has been given a four-month ban for FA betting rule breaches. Uh, and we've also got to play Name That Theme in the next hour. So that and a lot more to come in the next hour here on the Northeast Brekkie, right after your news headlines. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. It is the Northeast Footy Brekkie, and you can get in touch with any. Anything football related or not, uh, via our WhatsApp, 0230 043 2002. And we'd love to hear from you this morning, right across the northeast on the Cat, the Tune, and the Red. Good morning, two minutes past eight. I'm just trying to tell you how I feel. Woo! If my body was a boat, could you steer that sailor? Make it feel like it's a 1960s Hollywood trailer. Classic like cars, classic like Elizabeth Taylor. To romance me, I need to give another take Who's what I need is cause I could love you If I really wanted 
fabulous. Uh, rare oh. and worth it across the northeast on the cat, the tune and the red. Our it northeast does. footy breakfast. Hey, good morning. How are we doing? Yeah, you're worth it, Des. Oh. Did you know that? Oh. Hey? How's that? Little you bit are, of love Des. in the morning. You are. Awesome. Oh, thank you. you. are. See? No, no, you you're are. worth it to us. No, you are. No, you are. No, no you, you are, are Des. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how are we doing, gents? It's uh, it's Thursday morning. We're nearly at the weekend. Yes, uh, I'm nearly asleep after football. that song. That was too uh, relaxing. Uh, yeah. Was it too chilled? <laughs> too chilled, right? Need a bit of motorhead next. Okay, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> yeah, almost football time again. Middlesbrough, obviously. Uh, home again, thank goodness, uh, to Bristol City. Two home games in a way, but I believe our next two games will be away after that. So another last Riverside for a, for a good chunk, but um, home to Bristol. Alson as well, talking about staying on for next season. Hopefully we get that deal done with it, you know. So, uh, yeah, a lot mm. to look forward to for the weekend. But uh, football, can't, can't wait. Can't wait. But uh, let's get into it because we've got to talk about your club headlines, what we do every morning here. We talk about the three clubs of the Northeast, Newcastle, Sunderland, Millsborough, and what's making headlines uh, for those three clubs. Let's get into that before we get into more of your Northeast Breakfast Show. Magpies and Proud, Mags News. Adidas have launched a fresh partnership with Newcastle United, snapping up Sven Botman as the latest athlete to join their range of talent. The Dutch centre-back put pen to paper on a deal with a German sportswear giant at companies at Germany HQ. Botman joins the likes of Lionel Messi, Mohamed Salah and David Beckham, who have all an association with Adidas. Newcastle United star Harvey Barnes hopes that Anthony Gordon's need for crutches was simply precautionary after he hobbled off in the 4-4 draw against Luton Town. Barnes was looking forward to starring alongside Gordon for Newcastle and Eddie Howe, but his return has coincided with the Scouser's ankle injury. It leaves Gordon doubtful for the next couple of games, but Barnes is praying it won't be a long one for the seven-goal forward. And Newcastle United women will once again play a home game at Gallagher when their FA Women's National League Cup semi-final against Portsmouth is staged later this month. That's a two o'clock kickoff on Sunday, February the 25th, and tickets are on sale now from the Newcastle United box office. Five pound for adults and one pound concessions. Don't forget that the scores are level after 90 minutes. 30 minutes of extra time will be played, followed by a penalty shootout if an outcome is still to be determined. This will be the fifth time that Newcastle United women have played at St James's Park and they've got a 100% record to date. That's in Newcastle headlines on Thursday morning. Smoggies and Proud, Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans, you beautiful humans. Happy Thursday. Johnny Housen has no intention of retiring at the end of this season and Middlesbrough's captain is hoping that he can extend his time at the club with a new contract. How's that for your Thursday morning breakfast? Housen is approaching the current end of his current deal which is due to expire this summer. The influential, influential midfielder turns 36 in May, but retirement isn't on his mind. And even though he, if he doesn't get a new deal at the Borough, the former Leeds Norwich man said he would even look to play elsewhere. But ideally, he wants to stay at the Borough, who he joined back in 2017. Housen went on to say, it's not my decision ultimately, but I would love to carry on. If there is something there, a contract offer from Borough, for example, then great. I've spoken about a fair few different reasons that I've got, 
that are priorities and motivation for me to continue on and that hasn't changed. I still feel good and if they want me here, then great. But if not, then I guess I'll have to look for a new club. But for the time being, that's not something I will worry about. I've still got a lot to play for this season and honestly, it's my only focus. Has been the previous case in the previous seasons gone by. It will take care of itself in due time. Well done, Johnny. And Barra could have already unearthed his replacement uh, in the future called Finn Cartwright, who could be a long-term middle spot here to Carson. The 16-year-old under-17s man who hails from Red Car, uh, along with Hackney, has been in the Borough Youth Academy since the age of six and made his first team debut in the Carabao Cup earlier this season. He's been linked with a surprising move to Chelsea, although those links went cold once Carrick gave Cartwright his recent debut, describing him as a special individual with a special future. So, maybe a house and replacement there, but it does look like our captain, our ever-aging ever uh, goat in Johnny House and will be at the Borough next season if we can get a deal for him. He wants to play. Get it done, Borough. We love you, Johnny. That's your Borough headlines. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Sunderland women put in a spirited display but were defeated 5-0 by an imperious Chelsea in the quarterfinal of the Continental Tyres League Cup at Kings Meadow last night. The losses now are full focus on the league and next host Lewis at Appleton on February the 18th. Liverpool have been linked with a move for Sunderland youngster Chris Rigg as he continues to attract the attention of clubs in the Premier League. The 16-year-old is highly rated of course, having progressed through the ranks at the Stadium Elite. The teenager was handed his first senior appearance at the age of 15 by former manager Tony Mowbray and went on to become the club's youngest ever goalscorer at just 16 and 51 days in August last year. The report from the Sunderland Echo also says that Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City are all keen, as well as German giants Bayern Munich. And finally, deadline day arrival Reese Walsh says he only wanted to go to Sunderland after revealing championship rivals Stoke were also keen. Walsh, just 17, joined the Black Cats this month from Glen Torrent for an undisclosed fee to boost an already strong Northern Irish influence on Wearside. Walsh is not expected to challenge for the first team anytime soon, but the winger will be fast-tracked into under-21s level and it'll be interesting to see how this young gem develops over time. There's your headlines this morning. From Wickham to Whitley Bay, Stonygate to Shields, Doggy to Darlow Back Lane, Steve, Ted and Rye. The Northeast Footy Breakfast. Right across the Northeast. The red platoon and the cat. And we're back. Welcome back to the Northeast Breakfast Show. You're joined by Rye and Steve and Daz in the studio for your morning breakfast, your warm coffee, nay, your porridge that is in the microwave have i just blasphemed does microwave go uh in, in the microwave i'm not too sure I, I apologize uh if anyone that doesn't microwave their porridge uh but i'm off track lads we've got to talk about football uh we have got an interesting uh again an interesting news article that's come in overnight in kian harriet uh, huddersfield town striker under 21 uh, who is admitted to allegations he placed 484 bets on football matches between june the 30th 2020 and June the 3rd, 2023. It is incredible to see uh, that amount of bets. Obviously, we've seen the likes of Ivan Tony and in recent times, Sandro Tonali also uh, getting done. Uh, we saw the return of Ivan Tony that left all of us here on the Northeast Breakfast Show a bit perplexed, getting the captain's armband and a bit of a hero's welcome back after his ban. Uh, 
Kian has placed 484 bets. Steve, uh, it's a lot. Uh, he's been fined 3,200 uh, and he's suspended for four months. Uh, Huddersfield Town have said that they will support the player. Uh, he has played 16 matches for the Terriers this season, scoring twice. Uh, but it is a mitigation in terms of his age, inexperience and naivety is what they're saying due to him being so young. I'm not sure if that's a fair excuse, uh, but only four months, Steve, obviously given uh, what you're dealing with with Sandra Tenali, is it, is it, do you find it fair? Do you think it's, it, it should be all even or is it a case by case scenario? Ooh. Oh, oh, well. go on. No, Stevie boy. <laughs> right, no, just me then. Uh, Daz and I. Uh, sorry, lads, I muted. I muted. Oh, I muted the mic because um, I was I had, a coffin, I had a coffin fit. I did a. I did another uh, ride there. I've done two rides this morning. Me. One yeah. off air and one on air. But uh, what's he actually? What's he actually? What's he actually been? What's he actually been banned? What, what's he actually been betting, betting on? Right. The game. So it does say that. Yeah, I'm not, I'll read the, yeah, I'll, I'll read it to you. So. Uh, uh, the FA considered that his betting activity did, did impact the integrity of fixtures, having placed bets on his own club to lose, although it considered that with the nine bets he had in those circumstances, the player was under uh, only part of the under-23 squad and not in the first team and thus had little impact on the integrity of the game. So given the number of bets he placed, the total sums, the total sums he put at stake was 8000 uh, 105 pounds. The fact he was aware that it was not permissible to gamble on football, the suspension was initially placed on at eight months by the commission. But, however, mitigation in terms of his age, inexperience and naivety was given and taken into consideration. And the fact he admitted to the charges immediately and plus positive character statements, a show of remorse and good disciplinary record saw a downward adjustment of the ban to only four months. Uh, as I said, he did place bets on his own club, uh, and obviously clubs around the championship as well. Yeah, well, I mean, look, he's not a part of the first team squad, so that's the reason that it's a lesser suspension, I guess. But, I mean, 484 bets on matches is an extreme amount. Um, the kid's got a problem, hasn't he? And, you know, he's been fined £3,200. You know, I, I can't imagine it's going to massively affect his life, that. Um, it's a lesson to learn, but I guess the benchmark in this country is not, is not really Tonali because Tonali was caught out in Italy and he's been, you know, he's been dealt with really in a different way because of his crime being in a different country. But Tony is the the benchmark in this country at the moment, and you know he he suffered he suffered a, a longer ban, didn't he? Um, I think ultimately yep. for this kid, he's he needs help. Um, is is the first thing. Um, you know, he needs help and he needs guidance and. Do I think that's a fair? Do I think that's a fair fine and a fair suspension for somebody who's not playing first team football? I would say yes. Um, mm. in judging it, judging it off the back of Ivan Tony's punishment and the fact that Tony was, you know, playing in the first team and is a, an England international, I'd say that's probably. I, I think that's probably right. Um, but like I say, I, I do really feel that he needs help, the kid. And that's that. That's the key here. Um, you know, it, it's it's a, an affliction. It's a it's a you know it's a, an obsession. It's a disease. Whatever you want to call it. Any the kid needs help. But um, yeah, that yep. there's not really a great deal to say on it, other than you know he's you know I just hope he can get over it. And um, yeah, it's a, I I think the punishment fits the crime on this occasion purely because he's not a first team regular. Mm, it is interesting. Obviously, we've seen him play 
16 matches this season in the first team, uh, scoring twice as well. But obviously those bets were uh, placed un- uh, around uh, until I believe it was June the 3rd, uh, 2023. So that's when their last bet was placed, uh, uh, which is, you know, over a year ago. So he, as Steve rightly said, it wasn't part of the first team uh, when he was doing it. But again, young lad, uh, obviously it is an issue when you're spending £8,000 or thereabouts on gambling. Um, and as unfortunately another, uh, you know, another spur on our on our, on our our game of, of kids, uh, you know, because that's what he is. You know, he's, he's under 21 years old to me. Uh, or to us, I should say, is you know he's still a, still a kid, but you know um, it's really you know, sad isn't that it? much. It's really yeah. sad that um, and 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 maybe we've got to look at the clubs here, you know, and their responsibility with young players. I mean, I know you know most clubs uh, they they do have special liaison um, uh, people, don't they? Characters who who just look after the you know the welfare yeah. and the well being of the the younger playing staff. And we know because yep. we've seen it that the the the, the 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 kids that are coming through are are a very different breed to what we've all grown up with watching football. Yep. You know, the the money is outrageous, their attitudes are, are outrageous. Um, so you, clubs have got to have some sort of handle on this and have been able to manage and uh, support and educate these young kids that are coming through. Um, um, you know, many of which who, who, who leave school um, uh, and straight into football, um, it, it, it is a worry that this thing is is still happening out there. That that kids are being allowed to do this under the club's noses, um, and despite the education that I'm sure is going on, I'm not. I'm not saying that. You know, I'm pretty certain that the clubs will, will have told them quite categorically, "Don't bet yeah. on your own teams." You know, um, yeah, you know, yeah. betting is a is a wild side uh, of of football. And, you know, these footballers have got so much money now; they've got so much time on their hands. It isn't a surprise that we're seeing more and more cases like this. Or, uh, you know, it's not just that, is it? It's you know, what an influx we've seen in um, sports betting uh, advertising. Over the past five years, you know that's gone absolutely yeah. crazy, um, yep. and and we've got football has got to look at itself, hasn't it, and say, look, we we can't really condemn these uh, these kids that are coming through for doing this sort of stuff when we're blasting these uh, betting companies all over our shirts, our stadiums, our advertising. Um, you know, I think football's got a real problem with this. Uh, you yep. know, and 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 to be able to, they've, they've got to be systems in place to be able to support these players coming through. Yep, no, I completely agree, and I think it's a very good point that you raise. Uh, and I think that we need better systems in place. Obviously, definitely. I mean, it is a rare occasion. I mean, obviously, you know, there are you know players are well aware that they're not allowed to be betting, um, and, and, and you know, especially on their own clubs and their own games. Uh, and they, you know, there, there is training and there is. You know play things in place at, at certain clubs as well i won't say all clubs because i'm not sure all clubs down the down the leagues would would you know have the finances to put that sort of training in place but you know it is something that you know that kids these days are aware of especially as a, as a professional footballer that you just can't be can't be doing it and we see the cases like ivan tony sandra tonali two of the bigger ones uh of you know of what could happen so you know we wish him all the best we hope he gets the mm-hmm. recovery and and because it is it is it's an issue, isn't it? It's, it's, I mean, you need rehab from it when you're spending eight thousand uh, pounds. 
uh, you know that that's you know you need some you need some serious help. So we hope he gets that through through Huddersfield Town. Obviously, they're going through a new manager change themselves as well. So a lot happening there. A lot happening there. Righto, we're going to move on. We haven't got long, but uh, Dazzy Boy, yeah. a little bit of fun for your morning. And uh, the people around uh, the Northeast Brecky Show obviously can get involved as well. But a little, uh, little game that uh, Steve Steve absolutely loves. Yes, I do like this one. Uh, so <laughs> we do this on uh, on our mid morning nonsense show uh, every day, just after the news at ten. We do a name that theme. Uh, we we do five theme tunes, and you've just got to guess what they are. And um, since uh, you know, I've been doing the, the breakfast show a little bit more regularly. Um, uh, it was something that I've sort of brought into the breakfast show uh, as a little bit of a yep. treat. Um, uh, so Ted it was Ted short today. Obviously, Ted couldn't make it. So Ted has prepared and named that theme for us all. Well, I say us all. The only way he could do it is send it to me and I've got the answers in front of me so um, <laughs> so it'll just be you two guys if that's alright and okay, obviously all right. the, good, the good people of the North East as well, uh, you can get involved on 0330 or 2002, drop us a WhatsApp um, and the same What's do you know, I, I forget and then I'm reminded uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the way that we did this before, uh, gents, just to, to keep a, 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 a level playing field, is that you guys will message me your answers direct yep. to my um, own personal WhatsApp. Um, oh, okay. Listeners, I'm not letting you do that. You just message the station, uh, <laughs> audible three or four three two thousand and two, and yeah, we'll just see how many we get out of these five. So, are we ready? How many is All that? Right. There's five. There's okay. five, and I'm messaging you personally on your personal number, which yep. is the number. Um, oh, maybe, maybe. Hey, see what I did there? I scared you for a second. Right, I'm ready <laughs> yeah. to go. I'm ready to go. Okay. <laughs> um, so here we go. Here's our Northeast Footy Breakfast. Name that theme. Thanks to Ted. Here we go. This is uh, number one. Oh, no, that's not it. Well, that's a great that... start, Ted. Here we go. This is number one. Number one, and this yep. is number two. That's number two. This is number three. And finally, 
number five. Normally when we play these games, name that thing. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I feel as I'm pretty good at these. We've done over 160 on yes. our shows now. Um, and I look at this and I, I know one. <laughs> I, well, I, well, that's all I, well, that's, and I, I think I know one. Um, yeah. I'm not oh. being funny. He has literally gone onto an album. He selected the five. Most <laughs> of five at the end of the five at the end of the album that nobody ever listens to and skips literally. through. <laughs> no words or anything to go off. Could we have them one more time, Daz? Is that allowed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll go one more time on this. Um, one more time, please. Maybe, what, maybe, just to waste some time. Well, no in <laughs> well, I'll maybe I'll give some clues on this one. Um, okay. okay. So I put me. Well, I've submitted my answers now. All right. Well, you can. You can, oh, okay. can read well, some bit if you want leave, to. We can leave it. Okay. Right, I'll, okay. I won't play the full lot. So this is number one. All right. All right. Number don't one. give any clues. No clues. No. No. no don't give any. Well. well not, as long as Rai says he's not going to suddenly start writing the answers down now, you've got to submit your answers, right? Okay, yeah. Have you submitted your answers? Hang on, let me do it. Let me do it then. I don't want to get... Because you're getting an unfair advantage. I've put my answers in. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Mine's like a geography quiz, right? Uh, yeah, last, that, that, that was number pass, one. Pass, pass, pass. This is number two. This is number three. And number four. Abba, Abba visits casually, isn't it? It's just ridiculous, that. Like. Okay, well, there you go. So the answers are in. Um, thank you very much to Ted for the most ridiculously difficult name that theme this Jeez. morning. Um, so, yeah, how have you done? If you can uh, WhatsApp the stew, we've had uh, Jack's come in uh, already. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's struggling as well. Uh, oh, double three oh, oh, four one, three two thousand and two, uh, and we'll do the, we'll do the answers uh, right after where we have a look at the uh, updated sports news uh, from across the country, and we'll do that now. Together across the northeast. The cat and the red. It is the well, Tedums. Yeah. Tedums, my little Mackums, uh, I wanted to let you know that uh, 
Not only have we smashed your quiz, uh, Daz has revealed that we both got five out of five. Uh, we also uh, we also teamed up uh, because we, uh, we we just found it that easy this morning, didn't we, Daz? Yeah, you, you, Ted, you're going to have to try a lot harder uh, on that one uh, <laughs> if you're going to play that again in the future, please. Uh, I mean, even Jack, well, on closer look at Jack's um, uh, on one on the internet, he's got five. Uh, Anna, oh, Anna in Middlesbrough got five as well. Uh, George, oh, Newcastle got five. Um, five, yep. Uh, Tony, morning yep. Tony uh, He's in Sunderland, he got five And Jennifer, who plays uh, on our show as well in, From Gateshead, she got five as well So Ted oh, yeah, brilliant. Well done easy. everybody Yeah, and uh, for those of you uh, that, that were struggling let, Let's go through them uh, It was of course <laughs> The first one was of course um, Of course it was Battlestar Galactica Yep. Yeah, everyone not got that Star one. Trek, not as some Star of you Trek. might have guessed. Yeah, yeah, that was a silly guess, that one. Uh, Arrested Development. Arrested Development, of course good show. it was, yeah. Uh, the third one was... Um, oh, it was uh, The Buffy. Kid Show. Yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. One of my favourites. Yeah, yeah. And Steve, you love this one. I think you were in this one, weren't you? Homeland? No, no. no. I was. Oh, you were? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. excellent. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, I helped compose the music. (laughs) Yeah, fabulous. Yeah, you did. And finally, number five. You both got this one straight away. Uh, So pleased with this one. It's easy. MacGyver. Dave and him. Yeah. Dave and him always talk about it. A bit like like Abba going to casualty, isn't it? (laughs) It's a little bit. (laughs) Uh, so congratulations, uh, however many oh, you got easy. this morning, and Thanks, guys. we'll be well doing that everyone. again uh, after ten past ten on our mid-morning show as well. Thanks, Ted. <laughs> Brilliant, absolutely fantastic. Thanks for playing along. And if you are, uh, if you're wondering, hang on, I didn't get five. Uh, we'll talk to you later offline. We're just, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. we just, we want to, yeah, we'll talk to you offline. All right, don't let Ted know. Don't let Ted know. But everyone got five this morning on one of his easiest quizzes that he's ever put ever forward. Done, uh, ever and done. Ted. Uh, Ted, you, you're going to have to get back to the drawing board, mate. These are getting too easy. Uh, lads, we're going to talk about football. Let's bring it on back. Uh, we're into the last half hour of the show here. Uh, and it's a, it's one that might be uh, might affect uh, our boy Steve uh, in the coming weeks. Obviously, Newcastle have pulled Blackburn uh, at home in their FA Cup appearance. And their Blackburn are all at sea at the moment. They are a team that is... For a team that's won the Premier League and were a, a stalwart of the Premier League for many, many seasons, I, I, I mean, I remember when Middlesbrough were in there for 10, 11 years. I mean, it was us and Blackburn always uh, in and around there with all the other teams. Blackburn are in a bit of trouble. Uh, they've had two windows now where they've had two issues of signing players. Obviously, this one just recently uh, because they pushed the wrong button uh, on the deadline day, apparently. Uh, but now it looks like their, their manager, who's had enough, you can tell in his previous conferences, uh, press conferences, he's had enough. He looks to be getting the sack, and it will be before the uh, Newcastle game. Uh, it does seem uh, like it's a shame. Uh, obviously, John Dale Thomason is uh, ex-Newcastle as well, uh, and Newcastle, obviously, to come up as well. I'm sure he would have loved uh, going up against his previous previous club. But uh, it's interesting for Blackburn at the moment. Steve, obviously, you have got Blackburn at home in the FA Cup. Obviously, John Dal Thomason is an ex-mag uh, as well. Uh, but Blackburn seemed to be all at sea. He did criticise the club just recently in their financial. I mean, they. I mean, this is a club that in this January window just loaned out their captain to Ipswich. I mean, they their captain. Yeah. They went and loaned him. To Ipswich. I mean, it seems to be bizarre, some of the decisions they're making over there. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, John Dahl Thomason has, has had he's had a good run at Blackburn, but unfortunately, it just seems um, that you know he's been affected by things going you know going on off the pitch, and um, you know it's led to a, a dip in form, and it's unfortunate for uh, it's unfortunate for for, for him personally because um, he has done a good job um, as as a lot of managers have to do in in. You know, in difficult circumstances in in the championship and, and lower down the pyramid. So, I do feel a bit sorry for him. Um, in in a lot of ways, uh, you know, I was hoping that there would be that little reunion. It's it's nice when you when you have that kind of you know reunion in 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 cup competitions. But you know, yeah, they've 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 crashed, haven't they? Um, Blackburn, and, and it's not it's not looking it's not looking hopeful for them. Um, and I think I think from I think from their point of view, um, you know, they, they've just got so many problems. Blackburn, but it, it comes at a good time for Newcastle. Um, you know, I've I've got to be purely selfish on this, and 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 their their sudden dip in form, and and the fact that you know the, the, the you know probably will have appointed a new manager by the time that Newcastle go down to play them. I, you know, I I still think that we will you know will progress. Um, um, you know, I, I would have preferred the game at home, but um, you know we've got seven thousand two hundred fans travelling down to to Blackburn for this FA Cup tie, and um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll we'll be playing them at the right time. I know people talk about you know new manager bounces etc., but um, I, I think we'll be fine. But yeah, I, I feel sorry for John Dahl Thomas, and he he didn't have a good career at Newcastle. He you know he. He, he came into Newcastle uh, in a season when Alan Shearer was injured at Goodison Park in a pre-season friendly and Les Ferdinand mm. had been sold to Spurs and, and had to plough a lone furrow up front and I'll always remember him going through one-on-one with the goalkeeper in his first game at St James's Park and missing the opportunity and he, and he never really recovered from that moment and he, um, you know, it, it was... It was it was disappointing for him, and he he yeah. was criticised a lot in the in, you know when when he was at the club in that period, which which I always felt was unfair because he was never a striker; he was always a number ten. Um, yeah. He always played better behind like a front two, really. But he he, he look, you know, it, it's one of those things. It, it it's you know he went on to win the Champions League. He had a really good career. So yeah, but getting back to him as a manager, I just I feel a bit you know I feel I feel gutted for the lad. Um, but I think you made the point about Mogga, didn't you? Um, you know, yeah, pe- people, did, pe- yeah. people following Mogger never tend to do well. He, he you know, he, he did okay. He kept them. He kept, you know, he kept, he kept them in the, he kept them in a decent position in the league. But he just hasn't been able to take, take the step forward. But I think he's been hampered by off-field, off-field issues, lack of lack of money to spend, and you know, Blackburn won the Premier League, lads. You know, you've yeah. got to remember Blackburn wow, won the it? Premier League under Jack Walker with Alan Shearer and Chris Sutton, SAS up front. Uh, they had a wonderful, wonderful team, you know, and they've got a they're a proud club with a proud history. But um, yeah, things aren't looking good for Blackburn at the moment, and I think we would probably do them a favour knocking them out of the FA Cup, to be honest, this season. It's interesting as well because ever since the Venkies takeover for me for Blackburn, Blackburn was a club that I used to watch a lot of as a kid. As a kid, because uh, the, my best mate uh, at the time was uh, was a massive Blackburn Rovers fan. Uh, we used to watch. You know those games and and Middlesbrough and Blackburn were right up there. I mean, we we're talking that this team that were you know a stalwart in the in the um in, in the Premier League. I remember the the uh, Santa Cruz days. You know, Shefki Kuji. Um, you know, Ro- Robbie Savage obviously running you know around there. They've had some great names. Even Lucas Neal, obviously, uh, sorry, Lucas O'Neill, the the right back for Australia. I mean, they had Brett Emerton as well, another great Australian. So you know, it's 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 a shame to see the club heading the way it is. But it's a great point. Uh, that Ted and obviously Steve, you both put in there is that it's a, it's another club that can't replace Mogger. 
I mean, Moga is going into clubs, getting sacked in weird circumstances as well, you would have to ask. At Blackburn, he was a weird sort of sacking where he was sort of let go, even though he was doing fantastically well. Again, at Sunderland, he was doing fantastically well and got sacked. So not sure what's happened there, but the managers that have coming in after Mike Mogger haven't really done, you know, haven't really su survived. And uh, maybe Beal might be another, you know, sign of that exact, that exact issue again. But it'll be interesting to see uh, whether Blackburn go down the track of getting a new striker or, uh, sorry, a new manager or not, uh, because it's a club that is struggling financially, apparently. So um, it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if it happens before your FA Cup game as well. Right, let's move on, lads. We've got uh, a lot to get through. Uh, and another big one that I wanted to talk about, which was uh, brought up, is Karim Benzema. Obviously, Benzema, a fantastic striker uh, over the years. Real Madrid stalwart as well. Uh, I used to love watching Benzema. I thought he was fantastic. He would be someone that I'd sign on my FIFA careers as well, back when I was a gamer. Uh, and uh, he, he stormed out, lads. He stormed out, out of the training session after refusing to follow boss Marcelo Gallardo's orders. Uh, he's now been dropped from the squad. Uh, in another indicator that the Saudi league is almost done already. Um, or, or Steve, is it just poor form from Benzema? I think any player that storms out is wrong. Um, you know, no matter what what happens, you know, you you know, you're contracted to a football club. You should, you know, you should respect your contract and you should respect the players around you. You know, and respect yourself. But you know, things can happen in the heat of the moment. Um, but this is half the problem with football. Some football players think they're bigger than the bigger than the club themselves. And um, yeah, I mean, again, it, it's just the it's the circumstances, isn't it? It's, it's what circumstances has he found himself in? What what's he going through off the pitch? Um, I guess in his personal life. But um, yeah, it's a it's a strange little story. This one, um, you know, yeah, there seems to be lots of issues um, with Saudi Saudi football, doesn't there? Um, in in general. Mm. Um, um, you know, Al, Al Etihad's training session, um, you know, is where where this happened. And you know, if, if a manager is giving you orders in front of the squad, then you know you you, you should just take it on the chin and, and leave it afterwards. But I, I think the manager's done the right thing. He should be dropped from the squad. Um, the Saudi league has had has been beset with problems. Um, but I think your question is, you know, is the Saudi league all, already done, or is it poor form from Benzema? Well, I think. I think it's poor form from Benzema. I don't think the Saudi league's done. The, the Saudi the Saudis won't allow it to be done at the moment. But I just think they went too big too soon. I think they should have they should have tried to grow the leagues slowly and you know gone for smaller you know for, gone for gone for gone for gone for smaller players. You know not 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 go for the big names. Um, it's quite obvious the players such as Benzema who are used to playing in front of stadiums with seventy, eighty thousand in, uh, you know, are, are, are going to suffer playing in in lesser atmospheres, and you've got to take the heat into consideration across there as well. There's so many things that I just think people have people have thought money first and and everything else second, and I just think as well that this kind of let's go and big the buy the biggest stars to make our league the best just. It, it just doesn't work. It takes time. It took time for the Premier League to develop into what it's become. Um, it didn't just happen overnight. And if you go back to the, if you go back to what 1992, uh, when you know when the Premier League kicked off, um, and you go through the the list of squads of the teams that were in the league that season, 
you know we didn't have we didn't have the best stars in in the Premier League. We had lots of good players, but we didn't have every you know we didn't have every single uh, you know every single player around the world the best player in the Premier League. Then it took time, and gradually over the years you had players coming coming to to the Premier League to play. Cantona, I think, was probably one of the biggest names of his of his day back in 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 those early nineties and. You know when he when he was at Leeds and then went to Manchester United, it was it was huge news. And gradually over the course of the over over the course of you know the decades, you know the Premier League's become the best league in the world, and it's it's still it's still that. So the Saudi league's got a long way to go. Um, we asked the question in in August when when it was in when it was when it was you know getting ready to kick off. Could could it could it usurp the Premier League? And I think we both said right no. It, it, we didn't think it would uh, usurp yeah. the Premier League. I think we said would you know would would take a long time. But yeah, it's you know it's it's early days for the Saudi League. They're not gonna they're not gonna suddenly stop stop doing what they're doing. But um, but yeah, there seems to be a lot of there's been a lot of negativity. There's been lots of things happen. There's one or two things that probably haven't been publicised. I've noticed one or two yeah, players without without going into it have been you know haven't even played games across there and had contracts cancelled. Yeah. And you've got to question you know why that was. And I've heard rumours of why one or two contracts were cancelled. And I think well you know that that's that's because it's in Saudi. But it's yeah it's yeah it's a strange situation. But yeah, but Benzema. Um, I, I think he probably shouldn't have done that, but you know, again, we don't know the circumstances. We don't know what's being said. Um, if it's simply a case of not doing what your manager's saying, then that's that's a bit off. But uh, yeah, rightly so. Drop from the squad needs to needs to earn his earn himself a, a place back in the squad, and um, that's the manager's job. Well, it's interesting as well because we didn't re- report that uh, Benzema wanted out of the club as through January. That move didn't eventuate. He didn't get. Yeah. Uh, his wish, he was looking at all transfers, apparently putting himself uh, available to everyone and anyone to get him out of the league. And now, obviously, that hasn't happened. And now he's not happy and he's stormed out of a training session. I mean, for me, it, it, what it is, is obviously these lads have gone there in what they thought was a big move. Now, probably financially, we've seen Henderson obviously leave uh, and he's now moved back to Ajax. Now, I guess for for these for these players they've taken the payday but they're realizing it's not not all uh, not all roses actually having to rock up and play the football there as well yeah i feel really sorry for the multimillionaires who've who've gone over there to make uh, even more <laughs> money and then found out it it wasn't the big dream that they were hoping for i mean who would have thought that that was what was going to happen um and it was only a matter of time surely that that one of these big mega stars who um, who thinks that they're above the game, above the the his teammates? Um, that will be <laughs> earning like an absolute, you know, uh, less than one percent of what he's on. Uh, before one of them came up and uh, and done something like this, no, it's no surprise to me. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. Ben, you know, he's 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 been around for a while, hasn't he? Uh, you know, he he's has. really uh, developed as a player over the years and become quite a phenomenal striker. Uh, so why on earth? Why on earth go there and do this? Um, yeah, you know, we know why. It's the money. It's you know, it's yeah. it's the it's you know, they were sold a dream, and that dream is very quickly becoming a nightmare for some of them. Um, and it's not a surprise that some of them just uh, are not being able to cope with it. Yeah, you know, whether it's, it's yep, their no, ego, their ego of uh, you know, look, I've played for Real Madrid. I know how to do this. I know how to train. <laughs> Don't you be telling me what to do. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, no, I, I I have no sympathy for the guy. It's, I think it's really disappointing, and we've talked about this so many times on here. It's 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 the young kids will see this. 
you know, yeah. it'll see these headlines, and uh, you know, Benzema will be a hero of theirs, and go, oh, Benzema did what? Told his told his manager <laughs> to do what? To go yeah, where? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, that's that must be how uh, how we've got to act then. Uh, <laughs> to our, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a really it's becoming really sour. This isn't it? And and. And may, may, maybe the press are picking up one on this, and, and you know the press have got their own agenda about it uh, yep. to undermine the the whole thing that's going on out there, um, and that may be the case. But the players are giving them enough ammunition, uh, um, <laughs> uh, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right, and it, it's it's funny that uh, you know you, you you mention it, and we we. we it, we've been watching it happen. We watched it at the start of the the radio show. The Saudi league was was unfolding. We spoke about it in depth, didn't we, Steve? About all the players going there, the money that they were going to be on, and and how you know yeah. are they going to buy the whole world? I mean, Salah was rumored of going there for two hundred million pounds, uh, and then we did see yeah. it could it could we 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 saw Ronaldo obviously end up there. We were all worried. Well, I guess there were, not all of us. I think some of us had the common sense, but some but the people did come. You know, raise concerns and that they were just going to buy everyone and that was going to be it. There was definitely talks on social media of, you know, how can we stop the teams, uh, the Saudi league just buying everyone. Now, look, it's not all, you know, you were, we're a couple of months down the track and all these players want out. They don't want to play there anymore. They've seen the crowd numbers of 500 people or, or less. Uh, they've seen, you know, that their, their uh, international, uh, you know, spot has been under threat as well uh, in the case of Jordan Henderson as well who's probably had to you know realize he wants to play in the Euros so it's interesting uh, to, to, to see and I, I think it's a shame uh, that Benzema is now obviously not going to be playing football uh, due to a fallout because you know because Karim Benzema at the end of the day you just want to see him playing football uh, and he had a fantastic fantastic uh, career and I, I hate to see it go end in sour note just because you know, money or, or a disagreement but, but it is uh Who's going to come in for him? You know, who's going yeah, to, well, who's going to pay his ridiculous yeah. wages? Um, exactly. You know, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a really really sad what's happening to these once great players um, that they're now stuck in a hole. Um, you know, and they're going to have to, they're, they're going to have to take a huge uh, wage yeah. bill cut. They're going to have to. Um, you know, and, and it'd be interesting to see what. Uh, what Henderson took in terms of, um, well, yeah, massive, yeah, his loss. Um, yeah, was it nine million that that he probably won't yeah, pay something. for his six months yeah. or something ridiculous? Yeah, um, yeah, something like that. So, you know, it's it's wild there. But you're absolutely right. It's something that we need to, you know, we, we'll keep an eye on for sure, uh, and something that we'll, um, yeah, we'll, we'll pay close attention to because uh, all these players seeming to be falling out. And you spoke about uh, falling into the hole uh, there, Daz. One story we haven't covered uh, over recent few days is uh, the player being touched on the bum. Can you believe it? Uh, oh, my word. That's going to be one of the <laughs> best links in radio ever. <laughs> uh, incredible scenes here, obviously. Uh, we we have seen this, uh, and and look, you know, there is a, there is a side of um, there is a uh, a, a serious side to this. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a footballer being touched uh, on on in the rear. Uh, now, for those that don't know, this footballer was obviously uh, Lucas Ocampos, who was touched inappropriately uh, by a fan, uh, and he was about to take a throw in. Uh, he was bending over, looking, you know, as as they do, uh, and it was uh, he was about to take the throw in, but a fan reached out and touched him on the bum. 
Now, it was a young fan. Uh, you could see he was in his teenage years. So it was full on camera. Uh, and Ocampus was actually disgusted with it. He went straight, uh, erected, turning around, confronting the, uh, the, the alleged uh, fan and then calling over the ref, asking for security to kick him off. Uh, the security, the man wasn't taken off, but uh, Ocampus obviously went to feel to go on and complete the full 90 minutes. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, he said after the match, I kept my calm. I have two daughters. I hope this doesn't happen to them in the future. I couldn't agree because, I mean, Steve, if we were sitting here and this was in the women's football, we would be up in arms. I mean, is it a case, uh, you know, where, you know, we, we, we can't have this in men's football either? I mean, to be honest, I don't want to be anal here, but he's... <laughs> he's, hit, he's hit a bum note, this supporter. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping he can put it behind him. Uh, oh, I'm loving I've this crack. I've, or, I've, already, I've already heard that they're going to take precautions at Arsenal. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping it doesn't rear its head. It's in James's park. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's all I've got to say on the matter, really. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, he's he's Daz. It, no, I, he he has blown up this situation uh, into maybe something that could have been handled, um, uh, you know, there on the pitch. Uh, I mean, fans are. Um, you know, fans fans do give players abuse. It's it's part of what fans do in the stadium. You know, they they give them jip. You know, particularly away fans. Um, uh, you know, it's it's how it works. It's, it's that that abuse, and we, we we've heard a lot over the years about how that um, that banter has turned into abuse. Um, you know, and and some of it quite hateful, uh, which obviously we want to get out of the game. This. This incident, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it did make me chuckle uh, the first time <laughs> I saw it. Um, I thought, why, why is why is he making a thing out of this? Why why hasn't you know he handled this? But uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, has, has this ever happened before? Have you heard of this before? We've heard of <laughs> fans coming on the pitch and you know trying to give him a left hander or something, um, but not poking him on the bum. Um, he just needs to wipe the slate clean. <laughs> They should come out. They should come out to um. What's that informer? Um, informer by Snow. I lick your bum bum now. That's what it sounds like on the. Uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be a good one. I mean, it, it, yeah, it, this is crazy. Oh this story's crazy, lads. And and the Argentinian international said he wants La Liga to treat this incident as seriously as it takes racism. Yep. Yep. Oh, dear. Um. Yep. Now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ryan, you made a really good point there. You know, if this had been in the WSL, um, would this be a, a different discussion? Um, you know, if this had been a, a woman who had touched him on the bum, would he exactly. have, have done this differently? Um, you know, this was, like you said, right, it was a young male fan that had done this. Um, I don't know. I, it, it's, it, it's one of those, isn't it, that... This this could have been handled uh, so much better, um, yeah. and what, what uh, could have? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, uh, and I mean, Sevilla are, are taking it really seriously. They've reported it to yeah. La Liga as well. Um, yep. You know, it it'll be an interesting one to follow to see what what does happen. Um, but I'm suspecting it will it will just it will go away. Uh, you know, this isn't. Mm. This isn't the, the kiss on the lips, is it, in the World Cup? This yep. isn't that. It isn't. No. Um, no. 
and, and yeah, yeah I, I think the argument, like we said, it, it may have been a different situation. Um, you know, and uh, there's been a lot of discussion about this. It, uh, it may be, a, it may have been a different situation if the genders have been different. But then again, should yes. that matter? You know, a fan coming on the pitch, whatever they've done, and and, and touching um, uh, one of the players, you know, it is non. You know, we we the, there are laws against passing those advertising um, um, uh, uh, screens, aren't they? You know, going onto the pitch side. It, it shouldn't happen, but you know we see it in how many games do we see it where the the, the fans are still running on the pitch? There's still you know players yeah. are running into the fans um, yeah, yeah. to celebrate. So yeah, it's it, I'm just surprised it's been given so much uh, worldwide traction. To be honest, yeah, um, yep. strange no, it, thing. It is a very strange thing, and it's uh, yeah, it's something that you know obviously I guess you know for for for, for safety. You know what I mean? The, the B end and end all of it all, and that's no pun intended. Uh, is for that the, you for the fan as well? Players. I mean, you know, there's no guarantee yeah, I mean. it was clean, and you know, he's you know, all kinds of uh, serious <laughs> health issues that could have been implicated there. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, it, but yeah, you, as fans, you know, we can't be touching footballers. I just think that's not on as well. Whether uh, they're male or female, as a fan, you know, you, you can't be touching, you know, you can't be touching anyone. It's like you're on the street, you wouldn't walk up and touch someone on the bum on the street. So you can't do it on a football pitch. So it is what it is. But lads, we're done. Northeast Reggae Show has survived without cool? Ted. Can you believe it? Well, hey, uh, well two well, hours well, of your morning. Jack has been in touch, um, and he said, "Morning, lads. Loving the show as always." Morning, um, Jack. But morning, it just it, it barely feels different this morning, and he doesn't know it, why. <laughs> he couldn't put his finger on it, but it's it certainly uh, <laughs> certainly feels like a better show. I mean, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> I think Jack. A bit harsh. Uh, I loved it, Jackie. Loved Thanks, it. Jack. Loved it. Loved it. Nah, absolutely fantastic. And thank you. Steve, for joining me as always, Daz, for being in the studio. We appreciate you, each and yes, every one Daz, of you. We'll be, be back here. tomorrow uh, to talk about uh, football. we got football on the weekend to get into, lads. Uh, so we'll be back tomorrow uh, with a full uh, look at the weekend fixtures ahead uh, and more of your Northeast Brecky Show banter and antics. Obviously, Daz will be getting his well-deserved sleep in. But you're up <laughs> next, Daz. Yeah, what have we got planned? We've got the usual stuff. We've got a fabulous interview with someone who's coming up, a, a, a local girl who's starring in uh, Peter Pan Goes Wrong at the Theatre Royal. So we've got her on the show as well. Uh, and we've got Joe Franks from the Soundwave Festival. Uh, he's coming back on with some exclusive news about uh, um, the big Kaiser Chiefs gig that's happening in City Crew this year. Oh, and all the usual nonsense as well. Absolutely. Fantastic. Always a pleasure, gents. Have a good one, chaps. Yeah, have a good Always one. Always a fantastic... Have See a fantastic day. Goodbye. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across.